in three, two. Welcome. Welcome to the Better Than Yesterday Everyday Podcast, where we cover anything related to behavior change that will increase your long-term wellness and happiness. And now here are your hosts, personal trainer and RNs, Matt and Jenna Lane. What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to the Better Than Yesterday Everyday Podcast. My name is Matt. And I'm Jenna. Super, super excited about today's episode. We're talking about sex. Yeah, the taboo thing that's not often talked about. Excuse me, everyone. Sex! <laughs> now that I have your attention. You don't have our attention. Money! I'm listening. You had me at sex. <laughs> yes, sex. Sexual health. We want to talk about it. Episode 50, we had Dr. Crowley and nurse practitioner Jerry on, and we got him back on today talking about sexual health. I'm very excited because we haven't gone into this realm in 60, 61 episodes yet. So this is very, very cool to me. It's uncharted mm -hmm. territory. Let's do it. What are your thoughts on this so far, Jenna? I think it's going to be a good subject. I think yeah. we're going to be able to cover a lot. It's going to be fun. It's going to yeah. be fun. If you're new to this podcast, thank you for sliding by. I truly appreciate you. My name's Matt. I'm a personal trainer and a registered nurse. Jenna's also a registered nurse. We started this podcast not too, too long ago, and it's been an absolute blast. So having our guests back on today to talk about sexual health is going to be fun. So Chris, Jerry, tell the people hello again. Hi there. We're so excited to be back with you guys today. Um, this is a really fun topic for us as well. And in our practice, uh, we've been able to uh, kind of explore different realms of sexual health. And it's actually... Uh, been surprising to both of us how many people have issues with sex it's something that we all want we all enjoy we all need as a part of a healthy lifestyle uh, but surprisingly there's a lot of people that have issues with it so we're we're thrilled to be here with you guys today to talk about this and some of the options that are out there to uh, help your listeners get the help that they may need yep there's a lot of options that we were unaware of um, there's a lot of things we're going to cover uh, anything you got to say jenna trying to get jenna a little bit more into the the role of her, her role as a, as a co-host here. Go ahead. Go ahead. Thanks for putting me right on the spot. Well, Matt. of course. <laughs> so those of you that don't know, we have another uh, YouTube channel. It's Matt Lane Fitness. Um, you can like and subscribe. We've got a Patreon and that kind of stuff. <laughs> Good job. Good job. Good first try. So basically, if you want to support us, we have a Patreon page. It's going to be linked down below. Also, the YouTube channel for this episode, there's a visual to this. If you're listening to it on Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, all that, there is a YouTube version of this. We'll link it down below. If you want to support us on Patreon, awesome. If not, we appreciate you being here. So at the top of every show, we hit you with our... I almost hit the wrong button. Did you see that? I almost hit the intro again. This is the gratitude point. The gratitude point is something that shifts your perspective. Um, it can be something small, something large, something in your life that will pull you up out of the dumps if you think the world is just falling. And it's not. It's really not. Jenna, you want to go first? Yeah. Um, so right now it's really nice weather outside. And yeah. I've been, um, when I get up in the morning, I've been sitting outside and drinking my coffee instead of just sitting in the kitchen. It's been really nice hanging out with the dogs outside and getting some fresh air. And, um, yeah, I'm really grateful that it's, you know, been nicer weather for longer. Usually it seems like it's about a week that Pensacola has tolerable weather outside before mm -hmm. it gets super humid and hot. So I've 
I've enjoyed this longer period of tolerable weather. Reaching and finding those little pieces just in everyday life. It's so corny, but it's so true. It mm -hmm. is so, you know, enjoying the Florida weather. It's true. It's true. Um, mine's a little deeper. Um, but that's the cool thing about this perspective shift or this gratitude point is that it can be large, it can be small, it can be deep, it can be whatever. I'm happy for the farting dogs below us. It's, you know, it's whatever you want. <laughs> it smells so bad. Yes, here. it is. Um, but I'm, I'm very happy to not have validation all the time. And what I mean by that is whoever you are, wherever you are, if you're listening, watching, if you're working on anything, a degree, a business, your body, sexual health, not having the validation piece if you haven't succeeded yet or if you haven't achieved that goal yet, that not succeeding, not having the validation makes it so much more beautiful for when you actually get the validation. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. There's someone out there and you know who you are. I'm speaking to you right now. Not having this validation, one day you're going to appreciate it when you have the validation. Chris and Jerry, if you have a, a gratitude point, hit us with it. If not, no biggie. Yeah, it's actually, um, it's hard to pick one because there are so many things that I'm grateful for. Playing off of uh, Jenna's comment on the weather, I'm very grateful for the good weather and our farm right now. I've uh, thoroughly enjoyed the uh, past few weeks uh, being able to plant and garden and just uh, enjoy uh, a little bit of time away in this uh, quarantine that we're in right now uh, and just get to enjoy our property and, and some of the nice weather that we've been having. Yeah, because you, you, Chris is, a, so Chris is a, a doctor. We used to work in the ICU together. He's still there. Um, he's a fantastic doctor, by the way. Uh, but my gosh, this man works a lot. You both work a lot on in your own private practice, um, but you both work a whole lot in the, what seems to be 18 jobs. So uh, I'm, I'm glad for you. I'm glad for you. <laughs> yeah, Jerry and I have been talking, so I'm glad to see y'all taking some quote unquote downtime. Even it's, if it wasn't um, voluntary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, not yeah and I, I think that's, um, that's one of the things that, you know, when, when this all started and the, with the COVID crisis and we were told that our business was going to be temporarily closed. Um, and we really didn't know what we do, how we spend our time. Um, and Chris and I have both been together a lot more than what we normally, normally are. We work together, but when you're together and you're not working, it's uh, it's by choice. Whether we're doing projects side by side in in the yard, or if he's doing a project in the garage and I'm out back working in a garden or something, we both know that we're here and we're here by choice. And so it's it's been nice just to kind of earth a little. Yeah, earth yeah. a little. I like it. Yep, you're a thousand percent right. Yep. Well, diving into this episode. I think it was an important question to ask. Sexual health, I think when people hear the word sex, they immediately think of a taboo piece. But there's so much of a sexual health side that's in healthcare, but there's also a piece in the brain. There's a mental part of this. There is a behavior change piece behind this. So there's just so many realms. Let me ask you both. What do you think, like what is sexual health really? Um, I think that just like you said there, that's a, a pretty complex question because it's not just the physical 
the physical portion of it. And it's also not just the mental portion of it. It's, um, it's actually being able to maintain or, or to reclaim both the physical and emotional component. And if someone is lacking something emotionally, then a lot of times physically that component's not there and vice versa. If there is, um, some type of physical limitation to the, to the sexual component of it, then one of the two partners is going to be lacking and, and it's going to affect. So it's, it's a snowball effect. I think if, mm-hmm. if you don't have all of those pieces and all of those pieces working together, and if you don't have the support of your partner, then you're not healthy sexually. Yeah. yeah and so there are, um, you know, as we, Jerry mentioned, there are physical components that, you know, all the parts have to work right for people to enjoy mm-hmm. sex, right? So there's physical component, which can be uh, impacted by actual medical problems. So uh, we won't uh, delve a ton into that today, but we don't want to neglect uh, pointing out to everyone that there could actually be medical issues that would need to be followed up on and worked on. Sometimes sexual problems, the first sign is, uh, it may be the first sign of some uh, physical problems like uh, vascular disease, diabetes, some issues like that. Mm-hmm. And so we do uh, include that as part of a, a workup when we are evaluating patients that are having sexual health problems. And then obviously there's a whole host and realm of sexually transmitted diseases that um, can impact your sexual performance. And by no means, because we're not really talking a lot about that today, uh, that we want people to think that that's not important because, uh, you know, if you see us in our office, that is part of our uh, question screening and workup. And then, you know, the fun part is trying to figure out, uh, once we figure out what the issues might be, is coming up with a plan to help get that patient back to normal, whether that's, you know, something to uh, improve their mental health. And, and we're not counselors, so helping people identify the resources that, that they need to get that counseling in the community are saying, hey, we have some options here that we can help you with, uh, you know, procedure-wise that's going to improve the, the performance. That's actually the really fun part of our job. So, Okay. Can you tell us what procedures yeah. you do? Well, and it, so maybe the procedures that you do, and then I'm going to piggyback on that and say, what do you think, like, what's the most common things that you see when it comes to maybe sexual dysfunction, if that's the correct term? Uh, sure. Um so it it depends male versus female and the age range so we obviously kind of have a whole range of things that we see but um for our male patients we typically see either uh, difficulty uh, achieving an erection or uh, either uh, attaining that erection throughout the uh, sexual process throughout intercourse they may be able to get an erection but then they can't maintain it throughout um and then for our females um we see a lot of issues with, uh, I would say if we had to, to pick one, I would say lubrication issues are painful intercourse. It's just not enjoyable, especially mm-hmm. with some of our perimenopausal patients. Um, they have uh, vaginal dryness, which then, of course, the it, sex is not as pleasurable for them as it once was before. It may actually even be painful, not just uh you know, uh, uncomfortable or dry, but actually painful. And so trying to identify what some of those underlying causes are, uh, then we can help come up with a plan on how to treat that. Sometimes it's procedures that we can do actually in the office, and sometimes it's referring out to other specialists, whether they're in the, you know, gynecology realm or urology. Um, You know, there's a a whole host of uh, specialists that we uh, work with and refer patients out to. Uh, Procedure-wise, to your question, uh, Jenna, the, the procedures we offer there, there are several, but um, 
Primarily, we offer the P-Shot, which is the pre shot, and that's for male patients. Um, it is a procedure uh, that uses the patient's own plasma, so it involves a blood draw. Um, we separate out the plasma component of that, which is full of growth factors and stimulates um, some uh, angiogenesis, which is just a big fancy word for uh, blood vessel growth. So it improves uh, sensation, it uh, improves the ability to achieve an erection, but one of the side effects is usually increased size. So something totally separate than dysfunction, we have a, you know, a lot of our male patients will come in and they've read about this procedure, they've seen it in a magazine somewhere, and they don't wanna tell us right away that size is their main concern. Sure. But then we find out that that's actually what they're there for. That they, and so we don't um, promote this or advertise this as a, as a treatment um, for size, but one of the side effects, if you will, of the treatment when we do treat erectile dysfunction is usually you have an um, increase in, in girth and maybe a, a slight increase in length. There's an equivalent for our female patients called the O-Shot, and uh, it is a procedure that involves uh, also drawing blood, selecting out the plasma portion of it, and injecting it into the vagina in a very specific way. Um, it uh, improves their uh, sexual, you know, pleasure. A lot of patients will say that they achieve orgasm much more easily. So women who have never been able to achieve an orgasm with actual uh, penetration, they'll say they need to do something, you know, either with manual or oral stimulation to have an orgasm. And so they don't even know what it's like to have an orgasm, having actual uh, penetration from their partner. And so uh, this procedure actually uh, does help that tremendously. We see a, a really high success rate with that. Um, it also helps with lubrication and um, some with the stress incontinence. So there's uh, several benefits that we get from that. Um, you know, and that's, I, th I think that covers kind of the majority of those. We do plasma procedures for a number of other parts of the body, not just the penis and vagina. So we, we do it, uh, you know, commonly in the face for our, our uh, vampire facelift. All these procedures that we're talking about are trademark uh, names that were developed by Dr. Charles Runnels over pretty close to us over in Fairhope, Alabama. He's a, he's a you know, brilliant guy that's trademarked these procedures and uh, we've been doing them for a number of years now with a, a pretty high success rate. Do you have anything to add, Jerry? I don't know, I think you covered it. Yeah, I, I honestly, you made a good point. I never even thought about needing to refer people out. You've discovered other problems as you, you know, screen these patients to, to other specialties. That's interesting. I never even thought that that would be something that you would need to do. You know, when you're in the, when you're in the realm that you both are in, um, it's clockwork for y'all, you know, this is what you do, uh, when you're not in that realm. So for us, you know, it makes absolute sense when you say it, but it's not something you think about, you know, if you're a dio if you're a diabetic, if you have, you know, coronary artery disease, mm -hmm. if you have coronary artery Oh my gosh, CAD, <laughs> if you got the CAD. If you have, you know, some of these comorbidities, how it m would majorly affect it, just like those comorbidities affect other aspects of your life, you mm -hmm. know, such as your lungs, such as the other, you know, organ systems that you have. Yeah. For our P-Shot patients, um, going to, to the, the underlying issues, we don't just bring them in and, and do the P-shot and send them out and say, this is going to work. You know, we, um, we encourage a, a heart healthy diet. We um, encourage them to walk at least 20 miles a week. And that's, that's a lot for a lot of these patients. You know, we mm -hmm. get them started yeah. on some CoQ10. We evaluate medications that their own could be, be side effects of, 
of some of their medications or their underlying issues that they have as far as, uh, like you said, um, coronary artery disease, which, you know, is the number one leading cause. Show off. You can just say it the first time. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) You help me practice after those three tries. Um, And so, you know, the coronary artery disease is the number one leading cause of erectile dysfunction. Wow. And and also with age that it increases, you know, 10% per decade of life after the age of 40. So 40% of 40 year olds have some degree of erectile dysfunction mm. and so forth and so on. So, you know, 50% at 50, 60%. And then you have the, the baby boomers. That's still a really young, active generation but they're in their seventies now. So 70% of this generation is still active and out and going, they're suffering from erectile dysfunction Wow, to some degree. And so that's, that's not pretty impactful on, on someone's life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so if, you know, if we can tell them different ways to, to help it, even we call it penis health to prevent it, you know, mm-hmm. the shot and, you know, a, a healthy lifestyle, um, then, you know, we've, we've done our good deed for the day. That's, that's, again, when you're not in that realm, you just don't know, but mm-hmm. those numbers that you just said, that's so high. And I mean, sex is essential to life. It's obviously it's very overpopulized and, uh, overpopular. I can't speak overpopularized and, you know, social media and how it just takes off and it becomes like this thing that's no longer a piece of health. I mean, sex is generally looked at as just, it's a fun thing you do in your 20s, but it's so not the, that's so not the case, you know. Um, so that's really impactful. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like that y'all said it's, it's a whole thing where, like, you know, sexual health is kind of a taboo subject, I mm-hmm. think, even though you see it you know, in social media and movies and all that, but it's got that snowball effect of like, you know, you're not performing like you used to or like you would want to. And then it affects your confidence and then your relationship. Yeah. Um, and that's, that is, that's definitely a realm we wanted to dive into. And I think this might be a good segue. Um, you guys know me, I'm ADD, so we could be all over the place with this, but, <laughs> but, um, so thinking about the mental aspect of that, when it comes to like a partner relationship and how the difficulties there of, first of all, communication itself in a relationship is I think one of the utmost important pieces. And probably one of the most difficult. And it absolutely is. Um, I don't know what the quote was. I'm not going to be able to cite it. So I'm just going to vomit it out here. But I, I, I remember reading something somewhere. Um, basically the point was, you know, the top three pieces were um, money, sex and communication. Those were the top three pieces in a relationship uh, of why a divorce happened. Um, A lot of that to me just means communication. So in this realm that has already seemed to, it already seems to be misunderstood. How much have y'all seen in differences of age? Let's start there. Have you seen younger generations more apt to talk about it rather compared to, you know, the older generations? Yeah, I don't I don't think so. Mm. Um, and, and that may be a trend nationwide in our practice. We haven't seen that. Okay. Uh, what's been really kind of uh, interesting, and a lot of people ask, how in the world did you get into sexual health? Like, you know, 
from critical care and doing a med spa on the side, which is Jerry's primary business. How did you venture into this realm? And so Mm -hmm. just to kind of, you know, clarify that, um, we have the equipment, we have the training and the knowledge. We do a lot of other plasma therapies for anti-aging, rejuvenation, and that's how we got into this realm. But it's Mm -hmm. much more complex than just looking at doing the the procedure portion. So once our patients um, found that we did this and we have a fair number of middle-aged to older patients. So I think, you know, and and being totally transparent, we already had a relationship with many of these Mm. clients or patients that would start talking to us. So in terms of, you know, just coming in off the street and meeting, you know, a, a, a doctor or nurse practitioner for the first time, you know, maybe that will be easier for the younger generation, but our patient population, a lot that we treat are ones that we've had relationships with for a number of years. And so they do feel comfortable discussing a wide range of health problems uh, with us. Um, but I really haven't noticed a different in age group because we do see our younger patients that come in okay. and they'll beat around the bush. It's very taboo. They don't want to go straight to this topic. They'll ask about a million things. And uh, some of the ways that we've tried to, to help out and destigmatize, especially with our female patients, we have uh, books about the O-Shot that we just sit around that's uh, free for anybody to pick up and grab. And, and we'll notice a lot of times people will take them and they have them, you know, kind of discreetly yep. at their side or with uh-huh. other papers. So it's not obvious and they can take it home and they can read about it in their own time. And then that will open up the conversation for the yep. next time they come. So we do find that helps with older and younger patients. But, um, you know, I don't know if you have a different take on this, but I haven't seen a big difference in, in the conversation piece and who's approaching us for that. They're approaching us for different reasons. Mm, what okay. I've seen a huge difference is, is the young guys that come to us almost always, we get like, when I say young guys, I'm talking, you know, 20s, early 30s. We find many times that they're coming to us because they are having, or, or they have read something and they won't, uh, improved size whether it's girth or length right. and they never want to say that and then that's something that we tell them we're not guaranteeing that we're not doing mm-hmm. this procedure for that purpose yeah and um so we usually don't find that out until after the second or third visit because they'll come and they they will talk about some other issues that they may be having and then the more we talk we kind of find out that that's it and that seems to be a little bit taboo guys don't want to talk about mm. yeah. size but then that's really the reason that they've you know seen and whatever men's health or some of these magazines that they picked up and read, they've, they've heard about this procedure and they see that, that we're on the provider list in our area to do this procedure. And so they show up and then beat around the bush and we find out a visit or two later that, you know, that's why they're really there. Yeah. There's, there's such a comfort piece behind it. I think for the patient, um, you know, I mean, it's, I think it's much easier to talk about your high blood pressure than it is your sexual health. Mm-hmm. And I, I honestly believe that's because of the stigmatism behind it and what we've done as a as a culture. And this is not pointing a finger at culture, um, but it is what it is. So that makes sense. Yeah, I think those conversations are very exposing. Extremely. So it makes sense that it takes a couple of visits for someone to get kind of used to you guys and really dig down and, you know, find the real reason while they're there. We encourage um, all of our patients to to bring someone with them. Um, up to this point, we have, um, and we always encourage to bring a spouse with you or whatever, and, and your partner. And um, and you'd be surprised how just having, even though our goal is not to moderate the conversation between them, you'd be surprised what they talk to each other about with us present that they wouldn't talk about without us there. 
and um and we do a lot of these shots as a couple like okay. both partners will end up getting the shot and they t- they do tend to have really good results because at that point they've discussed issues that that each are having that are concerns so i shouldn't even say issues and so um so i think that when they're there and with someone to kind of help move the conversation along because mm-hmm. ours is it's a it's a questionnaire a five question questionnaire for one and then there's one that's a little more lengthy about lifestyle and evaluation of you know comorbidities that sort of thing so that um that kind of goes into the communication and emotional part jenna that you were talking about earlier it's really cool that you inadvertently i mean you're changing behavior while you're doing this uh i don't know i don't know if you guys have looked at it the way um but that's that's the way i see it i mean there's a lot of, and not to plug this podcast, but I mean, that is what this podcast is all about, that behavior change is just so huge. So y'all are inadvertently changing their behavior. It's incredible. Good for y'all. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. almost like a therapy session. Yeah. Kind of added. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. We're, we're clear that, that we are not therapists <laughs> and there are plenty of good ones in our area that we, we re- will refer people to for that. But it's interesting that, uh, you know, as Jerry said, moderating that conversation, it does open up a lot of topics that they may not have talked about with each other. And just by us asking the question in a clinical manner it, and, and the partner hearing that answer, then you realize it. And clearly people have the right to privacy. So if they don't want to bring their partner, then, then yeah. by no means that we force that. But it, we do find that when they will do this together with their significant other or their, their uh, spouse, that it opens up a lot of communication pieces because, mm-hmm. you know, the, uh, it is not a simple come in and get a shot and you're all better, right? There's many, mm-hmm. many components to this. This is one tool that we have to help you uh, get to uh, a, a more optimal uh, sex life, but there's hormonal issues that we may have to address, okay. right? So hormonal imbalances can contribute to these problems as we talked about earlier, physical conditions, hypertension uh, or high blood pressure, coronary artery disease, that can all contribute to these things. So it's a kind of a multifactorial process. And so we, we talk about that and, and other things that they can do. So whether it's through moderating these conversations and then they go home and they delve deeper into it themselves or they go through a professional counselor to help moderate that, you know, that's that individual patient's options. Okay. But then if they, you know, even if they start saying, Hey, we know that this is going to going to improve this aspect of our life. And that's what motivates them to get out and start walking every day because they know that they will have better results. If they come in and pay for this procedure and they know, Hey, I walk 20 miles per week. I'm going to have a better result from this procedure because mm-hmm. I'm improving my overall health. That may be all it takes to get them to get out and start, uh, you know, walking, exercising, improving their diet, eating things that are, you know, healthier for them. Uh, you know, not the total cheesecake that we talked about right prior to the, <laughs> the podcast. Yeah. Um, so, so if we can help in those aspects, it, it's great. And we find that, that often, you know, they may come for the procedure. And we, we've had patients that come in for the procedure that we don't do the procedure. And we have many that we say, are they're not a candidate or this is not actually going to be you know optimal for you and uh, but they will make all the other changes because we can say here are mm-hmm. the things that you can do in the meanwhile okay. and, and uh you know we're happy to do that that's a it's a really when they come back to us a few months later and discuss the positive changes they've had we're, we're very happy with that yeah what a motivator um not just to exercise and eat differently to change the way you look but to change the way you perform i think would be a great motivator well and it so I've always said, at least for me with fitness wellness, you truly have to have a real why 
as to why mm-hmm. you're going to do it. That is going to be your motivation. That's what's going to continue uh, continue you in those dark times when you're you know not doing it as well. Um, having your why, you know, for a lot of people, it's having a physically better better body or being healthier. But um, what a motivating why for someone to have better sexual health. And like mm-hmm. you said earlier, uh, Jerry, and we said this a billion times on this podcast about the positivity snowball. You know, starting with just that walking, and then that leads to okay, you can have that procedure, and then from that procedure, you do have increased confidence and okay I guess I will start working out and I will start eating better it's a positivity snowball so that's so so cool yeah I yeah. like it yeah right <laughs> it, just, it just rolled my head you see that? um so let me ask you what do you think have you have you had anybody reach out to you Bill wanted some information um was maybe fairly cryptic because they were you know maybe embarrassed by it and has not come to do that yes okay yes okay what For do you sure. <laughs> um, we, we get the, the strange, uh, calls a lot. And, it, and, and, um, I think some of this is driven these procedures because they're trademark procedures. Um, there is a, a website that you can go and look for approved providers and we do show up. And so I think people will see it advertised when they go look, they find us. So, so those we find are very cryptic in the beginning because they kind of want to know who, who we are. Sure. What do we do? Sure. What are our credentials? How many of these have we done? And, um, you know, so they may not tell us right off um, what they're calling for. They're, they're fairly cryptic with it. And, and I, that tends to be more common in the younger guys. Okay. Um, you know, when you ask earlier about some of the, the disparities in patients talking to things about us, once they get to us, they're usually okay. But okay. It's, you get these calls that um, either never, you know, materialize, they're just getting some information. Um, but the other thing that we do um, is, you know, I think there are plenty of uh, qualified people out there doing this. And so some of the calls that, that we've received have been fairly cryptic and they either may know one of us or friends of ours or family of ours. And they feel a little, they want help and they see that we offer mm-hmm. the help that they need, but they also may be a little bit uncomfortable coming to someone that they know. And they, they yeah. and so um, also we refer out to other providers who do the same procedure because you know we we truly uh both want people uh to be better and and we like that part of our job and i don't feel like they have to only come see us to get an evaluation or a procedure there's other people that do it and so if we can help them in that way and send them out we refer them interesting enough by doing that a lot of them end up coming to us you know but it it may take a month or two and multiple phone calls and then they'll end up showing up and saying you know we've called around we've decided we're comfortable with you doing it but there's there's a fair amount of those cryptic phone calls in the beginning and we always try to tell people if they'll you know i don't think there's any way to like really avoid that um but we could get to the to the final goal much quicker if they would just tell us what they were calling sure. for from the beginning here's the issue i'm having and let's talk about a plan on how we can start working on improving that and that makes sense and um you know i pride our i pride ourselves on always keeping transparency. So if there's somebody out there, especially if you're a young male and you aren't contacting healthcare providers that can provide this and it would improve your health, all transparency, I've had this procedure done and it was fantastic. And there, you know, it wasn't, I don't know, it wasn't as weird as you think it may be. So if you're out there listening and you're contemplating with it, I encourage you to at least make the phone call. Just like that getting started piece is maybe the most awkward piece, I guess, but I, I was very fortunate, um, you know, having the providers that I had. But um, 
all trend just in transparency just just do that go towards that uncomfortable piece Mm -hmm. yeah i can see how it's very um exposing i think a lot of people judge their self-worth on their sexual health so kind of admitting that you might have an inadequacy i think maybe translates in some people's minds of i'm not good enough or that's a huge point that was that's a piece of micro content. Good job. Yeah, I think that's a. Uh, uh, <laughs> I think it's a great point, and I, I think you know, playing on that a little bit more is not necessarily there's even an inadequacy, but that there could be some sort of you know uh, improvement. And yeah, uh, we I've talked to you guys privately about this at, at different uh, points, and and we've had our clients that come in, and we will have one partner or spouse want to book the procedure for their significant other because they think they're the one having issues. Mm-hmm. And when they come in it, you know, after workup conversations, um, we find out that it actually may be the person that was referring to the other one that has the issues and they're just not, uh, you know, communicating that. So it's not, you know, there is a, a feeling of inadequacy and, and sometimes it's, you know, with a male, it's fairly obvious, right? They did, they either can't get an erection or they can't maintain the erection. They have difficulty, with ejaculation, but it's something you physically either see or you mm-hmm. can't perform. With females, it's a little bit more difficult because sure. they, a lot of them may be uncomfortable uh, with sex. It may not be pleasurable for them, but they they end up continuing to do this for long periods of time to, to you know more or less try to keep their partner happy. Yeah. And so, um, you know, it's not always an obvious outward sign like we can see in the male patients where they can physically tell us, hey, this is not working. We can't do this. Whereas the females, you know, they, they can still a lot of times physically have sex that they just may not enjoy it. They may not be, you know, having orgasms or it may not be to the to the level that they think. And, and so then they feel there's something wrong with them internally. So emotionally, they start, you know, thinking, why is this me? Why am I inadequate? And, uh, and they don't realize that there are many effective treatments out there uh, for a lot of these problems. Um, and so, uh, you know, that it, the inadequacy piece, as much as that's uh, how many people view it, I always try to say it's, you know, not necessarily that, that there's anything wrong with you. This is just part of the aging process, right? Mm-hmm. It's just it's yeah. like every part of our body that ages as well. And so we don't think anything about coming in and getting threads or fillers or Botox or chemical peels, yeah. all the stuff to our face and our hands to make us look more youthful. But then, you know, we move down uh, south a little bit and yeah. it gets taboo and I'm inadequate. Mm-hmm. Something's wrong with me. And, it, and it's like, actually, you know, there may be something wrong, but much more commonly, this is just part of the normal aging process. And we need to talk about what options we can do to, to help you male or female improve it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I fully encourage you out there to have the courage to move forward and have that conversation. Just start, just start the conversation. Matt, can you comment a little bit uh, since you had it? Absolutely, maybe, uh, I the, can. The, the, <laughs> the pain associated with it, because I think that's the other big taboo topic. Everybody hears about injections and the, and the yeah. pain are vagina, male and female, and they worry immediately about the pain involved with the procedure. And, you know, it's not a, it's not a, they the spa, I mean, it's not a comfortable procedure. We do uh, do uh, different things to, to numb it and to make it more comfortable. And so would you just comment a little bit on sure. that? Sure. 
So I'll be honest, I had full intentions to say that I had the procedure done. I didn't know if you guys were going to be cool with me saying that I had the procedure done. Um, so that's why I kind of left it kind of cryptic. So I'm glad that you wanted to delve into it because you all know me. I'm an open book. Um, yeah, so I was I was very interested to see what it what it was. And there was, of course, an anticipation. Any male that says, you know, you're going to take a needle to me. I mean, that's kind of intimidating. It's There's, you know, it's a little nerve wracking. However... When you're surrounded by healthcare professionals, um, it brings the anxiety down. It does for me. Granted, I've been around healthcare my my entire adult life, but um, yes, very small needles. Uh, you know, I was numbed up with just like this cream, and it was you know five spots of injections. And the first one, the first injection was the worst, but it was it was so the anticipation. Yeah. Once once the first injection was done, the other ones, I was like, oh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And it was it was so much more built up in my head than it was yeah. in you, pain. You, like, broke out in a sweat. Absolutely. You lost the color in your face. Yeah, heck yeah, without a doubt. <laughs> Take a needle down there, but it was not bad. It really was not. <laughs> and we usually hear that. We do ask patients all the time that have had um, other procedures from us, Botox fillers, uh, et cetera. Um, to kind of rate their pain in comparison. So we kind of know that, you know, what is it like? And most of the time, this is on the lower end of the, the pain scale. And, and people have it built up in their head that this is going to be the worst thing they've ever got. Yeah. And, and we do find that um, it, it's not uh, nearly as painful as people build it up to be. It's yeah. very tolerable. So yeah. yeah on a, so on a scale of one to 10, 10 being unbelievably painful, one being nothing, it was maybe a two. I mean, mm. it was it wasn't bad at all. And two is consistently what we hear with both our male and female um, patients. The the OSHA patients um, consistently say two, wouldn't you say? And I would say the P-SHOT guys are somewhere between twos or threes. Okay. So, um, so it's nice to, nice to hear. Yeah. Yep. Mm. Without a doubt. Now, do you – go ahead. Yeah, for women, I mean, as we were talking more about that um, – if you look in the O-shot and the, um, I know a lot of people are listening to this, so we don't have um, graphics to see, but basically we're going to go in, if you were looking straight into the vagina, we go at the 12 o'clock position or right at the, the top of the vagina. And so that is between the opening where, uh, you know, you would have uh, intercourse and the area of the urethra, which is where uh, connected to the bladder where you pee from. And so in between that area is where we're putting the actual uh, plasma. Um, and, and one of the uh, things that, that that was originally looked at and performed for was stress incontinence. So the more, uh, yeah. you know, with age, with childbirth, uh, the more kids you have, the, the higher the rate of incidence of stress incontinence. And, and for those of you listening that don't, uh, aren't aware of what that is, is when you uh, cough or sneeze and you get a little bit of uh, leakage of urine and so by putting this in that area um, it provides a little more structural uh, support it does uh, you know kind of tighten up that area a little bit and, and improve stress and contents and so that was one of the things it was originally used for and then as a kind of a side effect it was like well uh, our sex life is better there's more lubrication it, it goes in the area of what we call the skeins glands and that's the glands inside the vagina that are responsible for producing lubrication and mm -hmm. so that is the area that this uh, plasma is being injected to stimulate that and so you will uh, usually have increased lubrication and then um, that's where 
80% of the product goes roughly. And then we take another, you know, small percent, uh, 15 to 20% of it, and it goes directly into the clitoris. And um, that actually will, you know, change the position of that just slightly, uh, brings it a little more anterior, makes it more easily uh, stimulated, um, and also in, increases the sensitivity. So um, the ability to have an orgasm is greater after this. And then, you know, a lot of our patients have had multiple children. Um, so they do have some degree of stress incontinence that they're wanting to treat or they're perimenopausal and they have a lot of dryness. And so you can see how uh, this works on multiple uh, aspects of uh, problems that you can see with the older female patients. One of the things we didn't touch on that I think is, um, you know, just an important thing to throw out there for, for men as well. There's a condition called Peyronie's disease. We didn't know tons about Peyronie's. I'll be perfectly honest. It's one of the things I, I you know, remember from med school, but it's basically a curvature of the, the penis. It's an abnormal curvature one way or the other. And this can start out as something very mild and it can get it uh, severe enough that, you know, you can have really significant um, curvatures or bends in the penis to the point that it's unable, you're unable to uh, actually have sex because mm. it's such a severe curvature or yep. that it's painful or that you cannot get an erection because it hurts if you mm. get an erection because of this severe curvature. Um, I don't know if you want to add anything on. Well, and, and two two things before we go any further. So I am going to throw up some graphics uh, of what you were talking about with the O shot, and I'll get with you on the actual graphics. I'll just overlay it on the video. So guys, if you want to see what we're talking about, it's on the video. Click the link in the description below. And um, so the actual, um, the last thing you were just speaking about, real quickly, why is it that there's that curvature? It, there are multiple reasons um, that it that it can occur. It's been um, the the most common is because of an injury to the penis, mm. um, okay, and the, and the tissue, the scar tissue develops and forms a plaque. It's also um, been associated with with autoimmune diseases, okay. different autoimmune diseases, um, and so. And there's even a, I, I read an article recently that some people have a genetic predisposition to, um, to peronies. And huh. so I don't know if exactly if that's because of the type of tissue or I'm not sure, but there are multiple, multiple causes. Um, and it's a really difficult to treat because usually people don't, don't recognize it or realize that yeah. it's an actual condition until it's pretty severe and causing problems. Huh. And so, um, Dr. Runnels started treating, uh, peronies with, um, the P shot with the plasma therapies several years back and has had some really good results. And, and we've now, um, I, just like you, Matt, I, I went, I saw him personally for the, um, for peronies. And it was a, a mild case that was treated with a P-shot and pump therapy. Yeah. And so, um, you know, it kind of goes back. We were talking about, um, you know, maintaining. And so I think that's where the, the P-shot and this disease comes in is that you may not be able to completely correct any kind of issues, but you can certainly maintain and, and prevent. So, yeah, I think one of the urologists that I heard talk about it um, gave a really, I thought it made it very simple in my mind. Uh, one of the ways that, because you think trauma or injury to the penis, and it's like you think you would know that, right? So, if yeah. you have a major injury, we're going to all know it. Sure. Um, but one of the things that we don't think about is um, in our 
late 30s, 40s, 50s for sure. Um, most of us are not having erections at the same uh, uh, quality that we had in our 20s. So sure. it's still hard, it still functions. We still, we don't have, you know, you're able to get the job done, but if you actually, you know, were to measure like uh, you know, objectively the, the tensile strength, you find that it's not as erect as it was in your younger day, yeah. but you still continue to have sex as vigorously as you did at that age. So you're not in the age range yet that you probably can't physically perform the same way. So you're still trying to do things the same way, but it's not quite as hard. And so you get this little micro trauma where it bends or pulls or tugs and, you know, to one side or the other. And that repeated micro trauma causes little plaques to build up in in that area, which can contribute to the curvature. And that's, uh, you know, one of the urologists I were talking about, I said, well, that makes sense because I'm thinking, how does this many people have it uh-huh. and because it's such a taboo topic um people to, and let me i, I want to clarify just for the listeners out there uh jerry's comment um you know that that he saw dr runnels um for this for for cronies and he said as you did matt matt <laughs> matt did not see dr dr runnels and it wasn't for cronies see jerry was just meaning like individually like no, it's that, all good that, that he had uh salt treatment for that um yeah it, it Sorry, sounded it sounded dude, like you know you both you both know it's all good i'll put anything out there no you're good you're good well, i know i just wanted i mean no, you're good be, you know like i said <laughs> all transparently it sounded like no, that. You're good. Um, yeah he had the, the treatment done for that and and his was associated with an autoimmune uh condition psoriatic um, arthritis which is very common uh that uh, with autoimmune conditions you can have this as well most commonly as the curvature starts to happen in people's 40s 50s they may notice a small change their partner may notice a change but it's not severe enough that it causes anything it's just something that's different and then it continues to worsen and when it gets really severe is when they will seek treatment and that's why i like to bring it up i like to talk about it when people will listen because you know we do find that people will tell us that oh yeah i have that or heard about that and then if they get treatment earlier in the course of their disease it's usually much easier to treat than when it gets severe enough that um they can no longer give an erection because of the pain yeah at that point you know you have to we send you to a urologist there's all sorts of things and maybe even you know surgeries and surgical procedures that they may have to do for this condition um and, and so it's not something that's simple to fix if it gets pretty severe so okay. early on we can try plasma therapies we need to you know look um, extensively into what could be contributing to the cause, and, and many times it will involve a urologist evaluating you uh, for that condition. Uh, but just knowing that this is a, a common condition and something that there's treatment options yeah. out there, I think for your listeners is really important. So if anybody's yep. out there that has this and they say, hey, I'm in my 40s or 50s and I've started to notice a change in shape, a curvature that may be different, go and get evaluated for it. Don't yep. just think it's going to go away because it could getting worse and the treatment's going to be more difficult. Yeah. And you know, like, so for me, and I think there's, I think there's a clarification and transparency in this, having this conversation, starting this conversation is, um, I think that's one of the best things we can do with this conversation besides the education piece of it, which you obviously, you two are doing, um, helping start the conversation. So Jerry, I appreciate you being transparent. Um, You know, it's one thing to sit here and be like, you guys should talk about it. But when you come out and talk about your own issues, I think that's so much more relatable. So to be even more transparent, I was just very curious about it. 
Um, I'm a fair, I'm a 30 year old, fairly fit, uh, healthy individual, but I was like, I'm, I'm curious. And there absolutely was a difference. You know, there was, mm -hmm. I'm not 20 years old anymore. And, you know, and that, that is something that we've talked about, uh, previously. What does that look like for individuals that have already had this procedure? Like how long does this last? Do you have to do it again? Like, how's that look? Yeah. Um, so Interesting enough, it, it depends on the reason that you had it far in the time frame it's different okay. for everybody. So in terms of actually needing it, especially with our uh, female patients, a lot of them have great results and, and they may not come back for, you know, a year, year and a half, maybe, and okay. then they'll have it repeated. We have the other end of the spectrum that they had good results, but the sex was so much better afterwards. They want to repeat it sooner because they like that initial you know, boost because cool. it does the results of it. You continue to age. Our bodies continue to age right on. We do something to temporarily try to, you know, uh, reverse whatever that problem may be. Um, and, and so it is something that you will need some sort of maintenance on, especially if there was an issue that we were treating, whatever the underlying, you know, issue was. Um, hopefully you will get a better control hypertension okay. for instance maybe you're going to get your blood pressure better control maybe you're going to start exercising but you're going to still continue to age you will need it repeated at some point um, and usually we say about a year a year and a half okay. um, but there are people that get it repeated at more frequent intervals and that's usually just because of their the actual you know if they get up for stress incontinence they may have an improvement we tell them that's usually going to be two to three months down the road because it takes a while for that uh, you know grow with the collagen production, et cetera, to, to kick in there. Um, but then we'll, they'll tell us, Hey, I really liked that initial, it was more lubrication. I was stimulated more easily. I had great sex for the first few months afterwards and I want to have that again. And then, so that's, um, you know, a more, uh, soft indication, if you will, yeah. to have it mm -hmm. needed, something that I really need it. Uh, yeah. And I, I think that's a huge point to make that, it's one thing to, you know, all right, I'm going to go do it. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to get it done that one time. But I think that speaks volumes to the people that are, you know, I think that speaks volumes to anybody out there that is fearful of whatever this procedure may be. I think that's proof in saying like, it's not that bad. If these people are willing to come back even before it's recommended, that's just, I mean, that speaks volumes, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, we have, we have a lot of repeat clients i mean they're, they're usually like i said this is one of the procedures by the time it's the the making the commitment to get it to start with is hard and sure. then mm -hmm. once they wrap their mind around it they have the procedure they realize it's not near as bad as they thought they like yeah. the results they come back and get it again and uh and, and again hopefully in that time we are addressing like a whole host of other issues communication you know lifestyle changes dietary changes um making sure that any underlying diseases are adequately adequately controlled referrals to appropriate specialists etc so and do you get the feedback of i wish i would have done this sooner um yeah especially from our you know the, the middle-aged women like okay. all the time we wish we would have known about this sooner we didn't even know this was out there we had no idea there was something that we could do we thought this was just part of yeah know, yeah aging. Yeah, that's, that, that makes sense because, uh, you know, before y'all brought it up to us, I, I, I was the same way. I didn't know that was a thing, but yeah, mm -hmm. that's really cool. You got anything else? Look I like think that's it. Like no, it's just, it's so interesting that, you know, two people that are, are practicing this very intimate thing don't talk about it. Yeah. And just breaking the ice 
with another medical professional just opens up all this other stuff that, you know, they could have talked about at home and really figured out maybe sooner or, you know, differently. Um, I think that's really interesting that you guys really, with that questionnaire, really help people learn about each other that they're, they're already in a relationship with. It's, it's, um, it's fascinating too. I think that the longer that you've been in the relationship, the harder those conversations are to have. You'd think it was the opposite, Yeah. but people early in relationships tend to be exploring each other, learning each other, learning everything about each other. There's all that excitement, but as time goes on, there's an assumption that you know that person and that there's a familiarity and that we just think, well, I know everything about them. They must like X, Y, or Z. And we mm-hmm. him, but that communication starts to slow down. That's not the mm-hmm. same as it was in those initial, you know, phases of exploring and developing the relationship. And so sometimes the, the questionnaires, just talking about it, you know, with other people are having, uh, you know, the book in front of you to say, Hey, I didn't know other people had this same yeah. problem. It, it, is enough to, you know, jumpstart that conversation back to re-explore each other again, because you know, that's one of the things that, that, you know, when people have been in relationships 15, 20 years um, to say, Hey, I really didn't know this part about you. There's a, a bit of, and you know, how could I not know that about that person or how mm. could they not know this about me wow. or something has changed with my body in that 10 or 15 or 20 years and mm-hmm. so my body's different than it was when we first got together and now I don't really want to point that out um, and, and so it is kind of interesting how the questionnaires the conversations can be jump-started and it's for people that are in these intimate relationships and and shared many many important life events and, and changes in life but all of a sudden this part gets harder and harder to talk about the further in the relationship they get wow Kind of counterintuitive. We wouldn't think that, right? You would think yeah, by that point no. we're talking about everything. But oftentimes we need some kind of, you know, jump start to say, hey, mm-hmm. how can we get back to this and talk about what's really bothering them? Yeah. Um, you know, we've told this story many, many times to people, but it's, uh, you know, I still think it's kind of fascinating. Jerry, I told him when we first um, met and he was moving, I was living in Chicago at the time. He was moving to Chicago and, um, I was coming out of a failed relationship and we went to counseling at the end and I said, why are we trying to have a counselor fix problems that we've had for 10 or 12 years that we've just continued to talk less and less and less about. And now we're going to this person at the very end and asking them to fix all these years of issues. So I said, we're going to do it opposite. When you move to Chicago, we're going to go to counseling from day one. He thought I was joking. That's awesome. I didn't know that. He moved on like a Monday and I think I had our first counseling appointment on a Wednesday. And literally that's like new, new in a relationship, right? I Mm -hmm. mean, we're in that exploring phase. We're in that we're learning everything about each other. And in my mind at at the time, um, and, and, you know, I don't know, this is the best for everybody, but I thought, why not flip this uh, around And, and why not go from the very beginning and try to set up some, you know, better communication. Let's try to figure out how we can, change this so we don't end up in another failed you know relationship years down the road and um you know he kind of scoffed at the idea he can tell you his thoughts on it he thought i was a little bit crazy but oh, new in the no. relationship he complied <laughs> he, went, he went along with it he went with me and uh, you know we were fortunate we had a wonderful uh counselor in chicago and we went every week and we grew from that into doing some individual sessions some you know group sessions and um, we did that for several years and we've continued um, off and on. 
we don't do it nearly as regular uh, now, but during periods of, of stress in our relationship, whether it's from family issues or death or, you know, just, uh, you know, anxiety provoking issues, we've kind of touched base back and we will do counseling. But I think that's, a, a, a you know, really important to keep that communication mm-hmm. open and whatever tool you use to, to do that, whether it's a counselor or a book or, you know, the, the questionnaire that we use when you come in for a sexual health um, evaluation. Um, I think that's really important for our, for your listeners to know that there are things out there to help them with that piece. I think that's a really cool concept. Uh, that is that that's right up my alley. I love that so much. Uh, Jerry, good on you for sticking around because yeah, I, I probably thought you were nuts too. But like that's so cool <laughs> when you when you really flip that on its head. I like that a lot. Yeah, well, it makes so much more sense. It does. Though, but that's yeah, not she the knows how to keep it good. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. it, was, it was young and fresh at the time. And so she showed us how to keep it there rather than, I mean, we'd both been in failed relationships. Yeah. And, you know, and both in both of those relationships ended up in counseling at the end when there was really no help. Yeah. <laughs> and there's like, there's always opportunity to improve that communication because I feel that that's what, you know, couples therapy is, marriage therapy, whatever you want to call it. I feel that at the, at the base of it, it is most likely communication. Mm-hmm. Um, so good on y'all for, for that. And so two things I wanted to say here, if you guys are wanting information from these two incredible individuals, we're going to link everything down below and we're going to have you plug that, um, that information here soon. But so you said you refer people out, um, do you refer people to therapy, like to emotional therapy? Yes. Okay. Whether individuals are couples, yes, okay. we do. We, uh, and I think that's a, a, you know, a really important part. And yeah. by no means are we taking the place of that. I think we're a conversation starter. Mm-hmm. We open that up, but if people need that, you know, some people are open to it. Other people yeah. have other means that they want it. They want to use their minister, their, you know, religious support. And, and I think everybody is different. Um, but, but yeah, we refer out. Awesome. Yeah. Y'all have, y'all have all the tools. You'll have all the tools. I love it. Yeah. That's so many things that I never really, I didn't even think that you guys got that deeply into, you know, people's personal lives. It makes so much sense, but I just never thought it through, honestly. Well, let's do this. Um, You think on the wrap up and then y'all plug, plug everything that they need to know. And uh, we'll put it in the description below as well. Perfect. Um, one of the things that we're super excited about, um, we're doing this, obviously, this uh, recording this in the middle of uh, COVID-19 pandemic. And there's been a lot of, uh, you know, different models to look at how we provide service and how we keep our patients safe during this pandemic. And so starting tomorrow, we are offering um, virtual consultations. We've been setting up our uh, virtual consultation uh hosting service so we can do this online. Uh, that minimizes the amount of time our patients will actually have to be in the office. It gives us a chance to get to know them. And for people who are just, you know, curious about some of these services or what we have to offer, we'll be able to, you know, provide that for them safely. So we're gonna do that several days a week. Um, you can find information through that, uh, or that on our website, which is www.jdccskincare.com. Um, Matt will put that in the, in the bottom there. Uh, you can also, uh, we'll be posting this information on our Facebook page, Instagram accounts, um, but the, the virtual visits will be through our website on JDCC Skincare, and uh, we can do a lot of the sexual health consultations without you ever having to leave the comfort of your home and kind of go over what options are available, what further testing you may need before you come to see us. So we kind of have all of that in line by the time you actually show up at the office. And uh, again, that's starting uh, tomorrow. 
Also, for anybody uh, watching this, if you uh, like and share this on uh, you know, Facebook, we're going to offer 20% off of all of our plasma services, which is going to be for any of the sexual health procedures, the P-shot, the O-shot, but also uh, we do this for other areas for facial re rejuvenation. We can do a vampire uh, facelift, vampire facial, but we're doing a lot of different plasma-based therapies. Feel free to email us, uh, message us. Our, our sign up on our website for a virtual consultation and uh, like and share this and we will offer you 20% off of those services uh, through the end of June. Heck yeah, man. Awesome. I love it. I love it. So, and we've, we've, uh, we've been sort of privy to, to, to watching Chris and Jerry um, build up this practice, which, I mean, we weren't there for the infancy, but um, we sort of came in to some of this and it's, it's, it's really been cool from one business owner to another to see y'all adopt, you know, some of the technology pieces. Y'all know I'm kind of a, a, a gearhead when it comes to all the technology and doing all the stuff. So it's cool to see y'all adopting that and adapting. So good on y'all for the virtual piece. I love that so much. Mm -hmm. Super cool. Jenna, what's the wrap up of this bad boy? Um, I mean, something I've been sitting here thinking about is that, you know, the general assumption is that um, sex isn't as good farther into a relationship or the or older you get and that doesn't have to be the case it just takes some communication and you know kind of putting yourself out there and, it, and it's so worth it to do that um, because I think that there's there is that snowball effect there is that you know domino effect of you yeah. have that very intimate part of your life figured out and that gives you that confidence it yeah. gives you um, you know that boost in your relationship I think that's a big uh, piece to get figured out. It is. It truly is. This has been really, really good. This flowed really, really well. I loved how this went. You guys, like, I think all four of us did a great job of mixing the the health aspect of the, you know, physicality piece, the objective piece, and then also, you know, a lot of the subjective, a lot of the emotional, uh, mental piece. So this has been fantastic. You guys, you got anything in closing that you want to say? Just kudos to, to you guys for kind of taking a leap to do this. I know it wasn't something that you typically do on your podcast, but just putting it out there that, you know, there, there's not just treatments for diabetes and hypertension, but there's also um, treatments available to maintain this sexual health component that it makes us all human. And so yep. thank you guys for having us. Yeah, thanks again for having us. We always enjoy being with you. Absolutely. Well, this will definitely not be the last time. This is now the second time that they've been on here. Um, episode 50, they both came on and we were talking about COVID whenever it was sort of hitting. And uh, what I loved about that episode was that you both brought facts. You, you know, you went away from the media and you just brought facts. And that's exactly what you did again here today. Um, this has been a blast. Thank you guys so much, Jenna. Mm -hmm. I think you got something you need to say. No. Yeah, you do. Remember? Was that oh, the top of the show you had to do that thing? Remember? Do the thing. I don't. Do the thing. I'm not. I'm not good at do it. Do the thing. Do the thing. Um. I I don't know where to start. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys want to support us, uh, go to Patreon. There's a link in the description below. Oh well, that was easier than I thought it was going to be. Yes, I know. Also, check out uh, all of their information. Chris and Jerry, thank you guys so much for being here. We'll talk to y'all next week. Sounds good. Sounds good. This has been the Better Than Yesterday Everyday Podcast. We want to thank you for listening and invite you to subscribe to the show as well and follow Matt Lane Fitness on YouTube. Until next time, you don't have to be perfect. Just be better than yesterday every day. Yay, sex. <laughs>